This is the Bare Naked Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Party. I'm a mindfulness mentor and breathwork facilitator who's here to bring you unfiltered conversations about mindset, spirituality, holistic healing, and entrepreneurship. Bare Naked Soul is about expressing who you truly are underneath it all as you shed the layers of who you think you're supposed to be. This is my journey of letting my authentic soul speak in hopes that it inspires you and teaches you to explore and express who you really are too. Hello everyone, welcome back to Bare Naked Soul. I have a very special guest with me today, Kiki. You guys have maybe heard me mention her before. She was actually a mentor slash coach of mine probably about a year and a half ago, um, helping me with my business and with my life and just had such an impact on me. We stayed in touch afterwards. We became friends. I had the opportunity to meet Kiki in person when I was in Sedona this past year hosting retreat. She was in Sedona like the day after going to a different retreat. So we made things kind of line up and we're able to spend a day together and just it's so meaningful to have these connections in this like digital world of working on the internet and having all these people that you kind of know but they're on the other side of the world um so being able to kind of have some of those relationships continue on and meet in person it's just so beautiful so um yeah many reasons why i wanted to invite kiki on the show she is so incredible so inspiring um she's also like a really good example of someone who keeps it real online which i you guys know i'm huge on so yeah you guys will absolutely love her um yeah so kiki ray is a trauma-informed quantum coach energetic alchemist healer international best-selling author digital nomad and founder of the quantum creatrix brand her mission is to empower entrepreneurial women to create a legacy of impact and income by rewiring their subconscious minds, healing at the somatic level, and learning how to alchemize their energy. Together, we transform the possible, the impossible, into your new normal. Kiki, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Just yes. listening to you say all of those things before like my little bio, it's just, man, like how, oh, I just got like full body goosebumps, like how things have changed and transformed since you and I first met. And I am so happy that we have connected and stayed in touch. And the fact that we got to meet in person was just such a highlight of our, of our relationship. And like, I just want to mention that Leah is actually now a mentor of mine because I just went through Heal Breathwork Academy. I am just wrapping up right now. And so it's really been like a full circle where, you know, the student becomes the teacher and, and vice versa. So I love it. Yeah. So magical, right? Yes, it's exactly. It's like a full circle moment. And yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful relationship and connection that I'm so grateful for. So I'm sure everyone's kind of dying to know, you know, you have this amazing, this introduction and all these titles and all of these accolades that you have. Um, how did you get into spirituality? Like, when did you learn what quantum is and energy manifestation? Like, when did that start meaning anything to you? Tell us your journey. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I love the way that you asked that, by the way. It's not just like, tell me how you got here. Um, spirituality kind of found me. I 
looking back, once I like identified as someone spiritual, looking back, there were just all of these synchronicities. So it was more so of like a homecoming to me. It was more so of like a everything falling into place. Um, you know, I would catch the clock at 11, 11 all the time. And my very first tattoo was an own symbol and I just loved what it stood for. And, um, I remember the very first time I ever had a profound moment of gratitude. And that wasn't even in, until my like mid twenties. Right. And just all of these things that once I became spiritual, once I had my quote unquote awakening, um, everything just like clicked looking back. And so I would like to say that I have always been spiritual. Um, especially when I was younger, I used to like, my mom told me that I had this imaginary cat that like, to me was very real. Um, you know, like they say when you're a child, you're cause your conscious brain isn't formed yet. You're really in touch with your spiritual self. And that's something that's always landed and like resonated with me. So not to say that I'm like psychic or, or anything like that. Um, but just spirituality has always landed with me. And so when I was 28, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and that was kind of like a brick wall that I hit. And that was an awakening for me of something in my life has to change because I was working in downtown Toronto. I was drinking my face off 24 seven. I was always doing drugs because that went hand in hand with the drinking. Um, and I just, I had some substance abuse issues and from there going through my spiritual journey, it made me realize that I actually had a lot of unhealed trauma. I had a lot of uh, worthiness issues. I had a lot of insecurities that I had to work through. So the spiritual journey has been like such a blessing for me in, again, being like a homecoming rather than something that I intentionally sought out. It almost is like it found me by proxy of a cancer diagnosis. Wow. And so when you were going through the cancer, did you what was that experience like? I mean, what, what took you from a point of, I'm sure it was like a very traumatic experience at the time. When did you kind of see it as an awakening or was that there the whole time? Mm, good question. I was not surprised when I was diagnosed with cancer, to be quite honest. Um, there, there's like this process that you go through. So the reason why it was found in me, I had for years had, um, throat, like I would always lose my voice. Um, I would get sore throats a lot, like from a very young age. And so I think it just kind of manifested over the years and grew and grew. And then I was going to work on a ship and they didn't even, you have to pay like $700 to do an extensive medical. The medical didn't even find it. It was my my GP, uh, who I went to see right before going to, uh, get on the ship. And I was like, you know, let's, let's just have a physical and whatever. And from that, um, she noticed like two lumps on either side of my throat. She goes, you know, I just want to get this checked out, especially before you leave. 
So let's make sure that everything's good. I went for an ultrasound. The ultrasound technician gasped when she saw the no the nodules on my thyroid. Um, and then in that moment, I just, I knew, but that was like very, like she could have lost her job for something like that because I literally said to her, I was like, what? And she goes, oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> like, cool, cool, thank you. So I had to wait weeks, but in that, in those weeks, I knew what was coming. I knew I was going to be sent to an oncologist and I had been affirming for maybe like two years that because of my partying ways and, and the way in which you know, I didn't really take good care of my body. I used to always say, if anyone were to get cancer, it would be me. And so I just, and that was something that was in like in the back of my head. It was nothing I ever spoke about, but it, cancer was something that I really deeply feared. And no one in my family has cancer. It's no reason why I should fear getting it. I think my great aunt had breast cancer, but that was about it. Um, and then when it hit, it was just kind of, uh, like, okay. And I mean, yes, it was a traumatic experience in the sense that, um, no one ever should go through that. And it's really tough as a, uh, process, mind you, I got very lucky and I got what they call the good cancer. So I never had to go through chemotherapy. I had a surgery. And from that surgery, I had um, a form of radiation, which is called radioactive iodine. So it wasn't even um, an extensive process. It was more so post, uh, post-surgery and post-thyroidectomy like that I had to really be on top of things and regular checkups and all of that. And those are the things that they don't really tell you about is that you're like monitored for the rest of your life kind of thing. Um, but yeah, to go back to what you were asking, it was just, um, actually, I'm actually forgetting the original question that I just went so deep into. <laughs> it was like, you were asking about the process of it, right? Like, yeah. So like, when did you go from the traumatic part of it to seeing it? As oh, yes. 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 That's how you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, I do see cancer as a gift. Um, the spiritual aspect of it came from afterwards when I was um, going through and realizing, like having that awakening of, okay, something has to change. Like I can't keep going the way that I'm going. Uh, and in that, I found a network marketing company because I had just moved from Toronto to Northern BC. And that network marketing company really opened the door to so many things. I'm no longer with the company, but the company itself um, was a health and wellness company. And from there, they really opened my eyes to personal development, self-help. And that aspect of it was that stepping stone of, okay, maybe I'll listen to some podcasts. I really didn't like reading at the time. So I was like, maybe I'll start listening to some podcasts. I have an hour drive each way to and from work. So started listening to podcasts from there. I think I just kind of started finding guests that like landed with me. And I started to discover, you know, spirituality, manifestation, energy, 
all of those things. And that all, I was like, oh, I need more of this in my life. And that was really how it unfolded. My like spiritual awakening was more like a two-year process. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm in it. And you know, it's the one event it's, it was a gradual buildup over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're listening to the podcast, you're diving into spirituality manifestation. If you could go back to yourself at that point, when you were really starting to dive into all of that, maybe starting to do intentional manifestation, really trying to see if you could put it to place in your life. What's something if you could go back in time and like embody a message or a piece of advice into your former self, and it could be one thing, what would it be? Right. But like my former self did a really good job. She, like, she was so gung ho. She was thirsty for knowledge. So honestly, I would say stay thirsty because mm-hmm. like she was just taking, she was a sponge and mm-hmm. that inquisitiveness is really what's led me to where I am now. So if anything, I think I need to go back and take a lesson from my former self and put it towards my now self of like continuing to stay that, that actively thirsty. Of course, there's like the embodiment piece, but I intuitively was doing that. I was like learning a bit, integrating, learning a bit, integrating. And that I think was a really great, um, time in my life. Things started shifting very quickly for me. And so then it shifted into more of a, like, okay, I've got to consume everything, but there was no integration time. So always like my, my message, I guess, would be that take it like one bit at a time and make sure that when you're learning, you're also applying, you're also integrating because otherwise it's just, it goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, and I'm sure I've done this with different things, but there's a lot of people who will read a book on it and then just not, not apply it, not integrate it and just kind of move on to the next thing. So yeah, and that's really valuable to to remember is like taking the time to learn one thing at a time and and actually apply and integrate it. Yeah, I've always told my clients, like you can't say that you know something until you are it, until you are like the embodiment of it. It's like, yeah, okay, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I know that, but are you doing it? Right. Like. I know I should be going to the gym. I know I should be eating healthier. I know I should be getting, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep a night. I know I should be spending less time on my phone, but are you actually doing those things? Cause if you're not doing them, you don't actually know them. Yep. Yeah. You're just thinking about them. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we think about things so much. I feel like we, we think we're doing it. We think we're doing the do, but really we're just thinking about thinking it, about it. All the yeah. Time. Exactly. And that wastes energy. Honestly, you might as well just be doing the damn thing. Exactly. Yeah. So good. So then you started a business and then you became a digital nomad and on the internet and Instagram specifically, um, being a digital nomad looks perfect. It looks like the 100% (laughs) best life ever 
everyone wants to do it, right? It just looks amazing. And I'm sure you're, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's incredible, right? Just like being an entrepreneur is incredible, Mm -hmm. but it's not perfect. It's not as perfect as it looks on the internet. So what's the real, real of digital nomad life? What is it really like to have less of a home base and be more of traveling and being different places and kind of living out of a large suitcase? Like, what is that actually like? Yeah. Um, it is one of the greatest things that I have ever done in my life. And one of the most challenging things I have ever done in my life. So when I first started 2020 was the year that I was like, I'm going to be a full-time digital nomad. And I am like off for six months. And I went with a backpack, like a, a backpacking packer, you know, backpackers pack, like a 45, 50 liter, something like that. Um, don't do that. (laughs) That's my first tip is don't do that. I was, mind you, I only made it two and a half months because then COVID hit, but, um, that was interesting. And the greatest thing that I learned too, was that I can't travel the way that I used to with the schedule that I'm trying to upkeep. So as an entrepreneur, as a digital nomad, someone who is, you know, backpacking full time, like that is a much different life than the digital nomad life. Having a base is very important in the digital nomad way of living. So what I mean by that is I will never now go and spend any less than a month in one place because the process of packing and organizing and traveling and all of those things is way too much stress on top of all of the other things that I have to worry about within my business. You know, you can't just fly on a regular day like any like any day that you choose. You have to be really mindful about the day you're choosing to travel. Um, I was telling you right before this that I was almost homeless for a few days because the person that I'm renting from gave my my room away at the place I had arranged. Uh, so I had to cancel my entire day of client calls while I figured out a place to live. This was supposed to be a very simple move for me. And then when I got to the place, there was someone living in the room that I was supposed to be in. So like there are its own set of unique challenges and, and, um, circumstances that come with traveling while working. Another one is just how easy it is because especially when you go to certain places, um, some, some places like where I live right now, you can find something to do any day of the week. There is always something going on in this town. So you have to be really disciplined and, have a strong ability to say no to things, even when you may want to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that because yeah. And the outside, I feel like, like for people that are not doing it, like me who are living in the North, like I have all these friends who were like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Like, you know, we have like, you know, reasons we can't or whatever for me it's like I'm married and I like have a mortgage and kind of stuck here in a sense and you've got Um, chip and I have chip my baby so but I, I I know that if I was 
a digital nomad, I probably would have some desire to have a house. Just like when I was living in an apartment, I wanted a house. But now that I have a house, I kind of dream about an apartment because there's less responsibility. So it's like remembering that the grass is always going to look a little bit greener. Totally. Um, and it's not to knock the lifestyle. It's just like I was saying with like being an entrepreneur, it's freaking amazing with what you and I do running and coaching slash healing slash retreats, all the random all the things, things. You and I do. <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful, but it's not a, the, the peach that it looks like on Instagram, right? Like there's real challenges to it. And that's the thing that I think every, and you, you nailed it perfectly with the grass is always going to look greener. There are some days where I'm like, man, like, I really wish that I just had that, you know, guaranteed X amount of income so that I don't have to worry about like my next launch or my next this or, or whatever, like making sure that I sign a new client and, and whatever, like entrepreneurship is one of the wildest rides I have ever willingly gone on. And it comes with its own unique set of challenges as well. Like taxes mm-hmm. is, I don't just get a slip of paper and give it to my tax person. Like I have all of these spreadsheets and, and things that I never dreamt of touching in my life. Yet here I am willingly doing it because it means that I don't you know, I can clock in whenever I want and clock out whenever I want. And my, though, though, you know, some months might be bigger cash flow months than others. Um, I also know that I'm responsible for whether those are big cash flow months or not. You know what I mean? Like it's my success or failure is solely dependent on the, the energy that I work on, the amount of effort I put into my business, the, the systems and structures that I have in place to make my life easier or more challenging. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many different things that you don't have to worry about when you're in a nine to five, but it's, it's a trade-off. Everything is a trade-off in my opinion. So it's like, you know, you can have the cushy kind of life and the expected, you know, every two weeks, I know I'm getting paid this exact amount and I budget and I da, 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 da. but I also only take two weeks vacation a year and I have to be confined to an office and I have to commute to my office and, you know, whatever, there's all of these nice things. Um, but there's all these other things in entrepreneurship. It's just a matter of like what you're built for, I think as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's, it's what you're built for. It's what do you really want to be doing? Like, where's your passion? And, and there's so many factors involved. Um, so what would you say to someone who's maybe in those first couple of years of entrepreneurship where it is like, oh, fuck, am I going to pay my bills this month? you know, I quit my job or maybe I really want to quit my job, but the money's so up and down and I'm comparing myself every five minutes to someone else on Instagram who's been doing it five years longer than me. Like you remember that part, right? I still go through that part. <laughs> me too, me too. That never goes away. Yeah, yeah. What do you say to someone who's like fe- really feeling the lack of all of that and is maybe in like a down month and is like, fuck, do I keep going? Like what, what advice do you give to that person? 
Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is I took a bold leap of faith into entrepreneurship. I quit my nine to five when I didn't know if I was going to qualify for unemployment. I didn't have, I had a network marketing company that I was a separate one than the first one I started with, um, that I was having a lot of success with, but it was a startup and I had never seen a dime from them. And I never ended up seeing a dime from them. Um, because they closed five months later after I quit my job. So there was like this big, like, like this, this constriction is what I call it. And like, uh, up shit Creek without a paddle kind of thing. And I'm sitting there and I go, okay, well, what do I do now? And so I, started my, my life coaching business. This is where quantum creatrix was like born birthed out of. Um, and what ended up happening was I did qualify for unemployment. So I had a bit of a cushion and I had a lot of drive. Not everyone can do what I did. So a lot of the time, what I recommend, especially like for my own one-to-one clients is for them to make sure that they have something in place, whether it's even just like a part-time job to support them while they are building their business. So maybe they're not working full-time. Maybe they've got just some sort of buffer, some sort of like guaranteed cash flow enough to float them while they build their business. Because a lot of times what happens is that constriction, that tightness, that scarcity mode. And that jolts your nervous system, right? You're in fight or flight. You're not, you're going to be maybe frozen because you don't know what to do and you're not going to get the results that you're desiring. So my recommendation is to always have something that allows you to have a feeling or a sense of safety, because without a sense of safety, you're going to face a lot more challenges in your business. Um, the other thing that I would say is to just in the, in the comparison trap, because I am, you know, in it that like, I go through my moments, I go through like these waves of, you know, especially like if I'm having a down month and then first of all, mute these people on social media, you don't have to unfollow them, just mute them. Especially Mm -hmm. if you feel yourself in like a down spiral, don't add to it. Just allow yourself to take a break from these friends. They won't, they won't mind. Even if you say, listen, I'm feeling activated by you or whatever. If you, if you know them, if you're friends with them, you won't be seeing me, you know, liking your posts for a bit because I'm feeling, I just need to take a step away. Um, and then obviously if they're not someone, you know, you don't have to say anything, but I really notice that the thing that I can only do is compare myself to how I was yesterday. And so as long as I am meeting or like exceeding the person that I was yesterday, if I know that I'm in a good headspace, right? If I'm in a little bit of a lull, it's like, okay, what do I need? Like bringing in that nurturing and that compassion piece to yourself too, because you can't be on 24 seven. Um, that's the fastest way to burn yourself out before you even start as an entrepreneur. Mm. Yeah. And something that I've been speaking about a little bit recently with the comparison piece, because it's something that so many, you know, obviously I definitely still go through those periods. Um, A lot of my clients are really in that early entrepreneur part where they're just like super comparison. Um, I feel like 
my brand and my mission really involves around being real and showing people, you know, the real side of things. And it's actually really hard to be real on social media because there, there are things that's not logical to share, right? There are things that are not mine to share sometimes that I might be struggling with. So, um, so then it feels sometimes like, okay, well then I'm all only sharing the good things. And it can just be this weird mind fuck of like trying to have this brand and trying to make it real. And I'm a manifestation teacher, so I should be able to manifest anything. And so do you ever feel that way with like how you show up on social media? Just like, ah. Oh my God. I literally was on a podcast interview, the last one that I did. And one of the listeners reached out to, she's a friend of mine. She reached out to me and she goes, you know, you said something on the podcast. You said that you hadn't been feeling very quantum recently. And I just want you to know, she fed back like the most beautiful thing. She was like, it's not in the moments that you necessarily see the quantum leaps. It's really like when you look back and I was like, oh my God, it's so true. We have this idea of like forward, 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 forward. But like, I'm it's like the only reason you want to look back is to see how far you've come. Right. I love that quote. And that to me was just like such a grounding moment of, right. I'm a fucking badass because I have accomplished so much in my life. I am literally living the dream that I was manifesting only three years ago. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, Oh, that like just such a shift in energy in that moment. So absolutely, I go through those things. And especially as someone who identifies as a quantum manifestation coach, (laughs) but I have just like, you don't have to be on all the time. Again, it's like, okay, maybe I'm not creating something quantum in my life right now, but I'm creating it. I'm helping my clients create it. I'm helping, um, someone who's listening to my meditations, uh, create it. I'm helping someone who is, you know, just consuming my free social media content to create it. Like, it's not always about me, but it's like the embodiment of that energy. So yeah, I'm not always a hundred percent real on my stories all the time, because sometimes there's things that I'm working through as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that was a big one last year. Um, I had, so like, this is the big thing about the online space and making money and doing, you know, being a boss babe. And last year I did not make as much money in 2021 as I did in 2020. And I like, had to really sit with that because I, I deemed myself as a failure because I am, you know, someone who teaches about quantum manifestation and all of the other like good coaches, which I'm putting in air quotes for (laughs) those of you who can't see me, all of the other good coaches are quantum leaping their income every single year. And so what does that mean about me as a manifestation teacher? Well, you know, I had, it was such a beautiful opportunity for like growth for me and to look at my own, um, patterns and my own ways of showing up and how I was in my business, because in April of last year, I celebrated my very first multiple five figure month, which was huge for me. 
And then all of a sudden things started happening in the outside world and I lost a really good friend. I lost, um, we'll just say another really good friend and they didn't die. They just left my life. They exited. And it is just as painful to grieve someone who is still alive as it is to grieve someone who is um, no longer on this plane, you know? And that was something that I really had to like look inward about because I was like, well, fuck, I am such a failure because I'm not quantum leaping. I regressed in my income. And not to say that income is, is the end all be all, but, and that was another thing I, I worked through. I was like, okay, well, what did I create for my clients? Like how, how did I support my clients? My clients still got quantum results. One of my clients went from six figures to a multi six figure business and I helped support her in that. Right. So it's just all of those things where like, I didn't share originally that my income started going down, 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 down. I um, needed the time to work through that and to work through the shame that I held around it before being able to talk about it the way that I do now. And now I get to be real about it. Now I get to show up and talk about it and say, okay, you know, this was something that happened and here are the lessons that I learned from it. But in the moment, I didn't even really know completely what was going on. So I needed that time to process. And I think a lot of people um, should take that time. Like it's not always best to show up in real time when things are amok and you can't even make sense of it, right? You want to be able to come as someone who is teaching uh, the real, you always want to be able to come and like provide the lesson on the other side of it so that it's not just like, perceived as woe as me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. And on top of that, just because we've chosen to live a business where we're sharing our life does not obligate us to share every single piece. And totally. I think that was something for me for so long where I felt obligated to share everything mm -hmm. or else yeah. then I'm really not being transparent. And that's just not realistic. No. And it's also and not required or necessary or something we should feel like we have to do but we also that there's a message in here of remember that the people that you're seeing are sharing what they can share in that moment yeah absolutely I I totally resonate with that because I for the longest time couldn't share that I you know what was happening with that friend of mine who chose to to leave because it was raw. It was painful. It was something that I couldn't quite make sense of. I had to do my own healing around it before I could start talking about it. Um, you know, I think relationships are a really great example of that too, right? Like I'm, I was in, um, a three-year-long relationship where my partner was a big part of my social media and, um, he was fine with it. And then recently I got into a relationship where it was like a little bit more, you know, he was more reserved and he, he was not about being featured on social media, which again is 
fine. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of the time what happens as people who do choose to show up online for the people who are consuming our content, I, I love and appreciate it so much because they get invested. They like, they feel like, you know, they're part of our lives. So, um, you know, while, while I appreciate people having that investment, there's also that boundary that, that has to go into place of like, okay, there's certain things that I'm not going to share. And, um, it's, it's funny when people think that they like have access to that. And then there's like a boundary that has to be put in place. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But Aside from that, I mean, I think it's, it's also, there's no, you were talking about, you know, what you get to show up and share and there's no written rule. It's not like exit, like I'm going to feel comfortable sharing something that you might not feel comfortable sharing and vice versa. Right. Like, and there's no rule as to you're right and I'm wrong or the other way around. It's just share what the fuck you want to share. And if people don't like it, they can go. (laughs) I'm like losing followers all the time because I'm showing up on my platform specifically right now with the chaos that is happening in my country. And I'm posting some more political things and I'm posting some more controversial things. And my platform isn't always about that. And so I have been losing people who are very much in the black and whiteness um, the not understanding nuance. And they're like, if you support this, I'm just no questions asked. I'm unfollowing you. And I'm like, great. I don't need your departure announcement. This is not an airport. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) I don't care because your follow to me like while, while you're here and consuming my content, of course I appreciate and I value you, but if something doesn't align for you anymore, my number count doesn't phase me any, like feel free to go, but I'm here to serve you. If you want to be served for the content that I share, whether that be spiritual, whether that be maybe opening your eyes to a new way of thinking, or maybe allowing you to question some of the paradigms that you have been conditioned to believe, right? There's just so much um, that's, that can be put on a social media platform. And I know a lot of business owners who won't dare step into that ring. And that's just never been me because I feel in that I am stifling a part of who I am. And so I will post those things because it feels aligned for me to do so. But I know that there are also business owners out there who would never dream of doing that. And that's fine for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like whenever, so whenever we were working together, I was really going through it on the entrepreneurial journey. And I was, I was experiencing for the first time those like down months um, mm-hmm. income wise. And then I was experiencing, um, I just, I got into like an obsessive mode and I probably had already been there, but 
I was obsessed with like, who's watching, how many people are watching my stories, how many people are liking my things, mm-hmm. all of those numbers, making them all mean something. And I just remember like one of the big things that one of my biggest takeaways from having you as my coach was you helped me work on shifting into gratitude for all the little things and, and gratitude for the people that were there watching my stories and, and, you know, shifting that perspective into more abundance. Um, and that was like hard at first, like, wasn't what I wanted to hear. You know, it's like, no, just tell me how to make everything in my life. Perfect. Right. (laughs) But that's not how it works, obviously. So, um, so yeah, you really helped me shift into more of an abundant state. So can you share? So for people that are kind of going through, yeah, like going through that lack, whether that's with entrepreneurship or with anything else where they're kind of just like annoyed at everything. And they're like, just annoyed with all the little things that people, their partner's doing, or their kids are doing, or their job is doing. How do you recommend people kind of start to shift that? Mm. Gratitude was one of the very first concepts I learned as like a spiritual practice. I remember just like driving to work one day and I hated my commute. I hated it. I hated spending an hour, like wasting an hour one way just to get to work. And I remember I used to just take in like the beauty around me because the drive to work was beautiful. I lived in Northern BC. I hated the winters. Like I couldn't shift into gratitude too much in the winters, but when spring would come around, it was beautiful. Um, it was just something for me to find appreciation in the little things. So the view, and I remember like, cause coming from the city, coming from a place like Toronto, where there is just concrete jungle and 3.3 million people going to a town of like eight, 9,000. It was a big culture shock for me, but the drive to work was just so stunning. And I just remember, like, I would drive in my car, I'd be listening to a podcast and I'd just be taking everything in, trying to be as present as possible. Presence is like a huge part of just being. If you're not present in your day-to-day life, you're going to miss so much of it. And I'm working on this. I remember one of the things that you and I first started working on was the phone (laughs) and you're inspiring the crap out of me these days. Because this is something that actually over time I have gotten worse with, not better with. Um, So I spend a lot of time and more time than I should on my phone scrolling or like doing the DMs and not setting boundaries around my DMs. Like when someone messages me, like I love to go and just respond right away. So this is something that I'm actually actively working on because what happens is when I'm living in that state, I'm not present. Mm -hmm. I'm not you know, experiencing life, I'm like down the freaking rabbit hole of just not like not even productive business work. That's, that's the other thing. (laughs) It's not really productive. So for me being here specifically in San Juan, um, I try like one of the things that I used to visualize when I was in the beginning stages of my entrepreneurial journey would be to be watching the sunset every day and like being on the beach. And so I'm really mindful now 
about making that conscious effort to go to the beach, making the conscious effort to take in a sunset as many times a week as possible. It doesn't happen every day, but as many times a week as possible and to practice grounding, like toes in the sand, looking at like taking in my surroundings, hearing what I'm hearing, whether that's like children screaming or playing or laughing or the waves crashing on the beach, the birds up above, like really just getting present. And then from there expressing my gratitude, those are like the two really big things that started shifting everything for me, because in that practicing, you are elevating your state. You are alchemizing your emotions. So you're transforming whatever might be going on when you are mindless and you are actively working to elevate um, your frequency and raise, raise your vibration. So I would say those would be like the very basic things that I would go with. But like when it comes to entrepreneurship specifically, one of the things that I know we get so caught up in, especially with the numbers and all of that is like, you, you know, have a launch and it doesn't do as well as you had hoped. And maybe you had a goal of getting 10 people in your program and there's only two. Do you think those two people would be happy to hear that they are only two people, right? Like if you were to go and be sitting in front of those two people teaching them, do you think that they would appreciate if you said, oh no, like, you know, okay, cool. Like you're here. Thanks. But I wanted 10 of you, right? Like you wouldn't actually say that as a business owner to people. So I think the online space, while it is such a beautiful um, opportunity. It's also really easy to, to disconnect from the humanness of that. Mm. And, you know, like for the longest time I was like, Oh my God, I just want 10 K followers because I wanted the link button, but now, now we've got it. So I don't give a shit as to how many followers I have, (laughs) but like, you know, I have a healthy amount of followers. I have about like, I don't know, 8,500, let's say. Um, but that, to me is like, man, if I put 8,500 people in front of me, I'd be having a panic attack, right? If I had to speak in front of 8,500 people, I would be nervous. So it's like, there is that disconnection piece. So how can you recenter yourself and express gratitude for those two people that are showing up in a program or for those 8,500 people who are potentially consuming your content, you know, that's kind of what I would say about uh, the appreciation piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so powerful when you make that shift because you're remembering that these are actual humans, not just numbers. Yeah. And when you can, when you can program into your mind, like it takes some time to kind of make that shift consciously, but then it becomes a normal thing where you just appreciate the people that are there and, and in everything in life, like you can just start at like, start to appreciate what is what's in front of you, the people you're around, the weather as it is like the different situations as they unfold, instead of trying to control everything to be perfect. And I think, so I think the thing that I struggle with the most, um, when you and I were working together at that point, I was like, no, I just want to like manifest it right now. 
into being exactly what I want, everything in my life, exactly what I want, but manifestation. And, and I, I knew this at the time, right? I, I knew this, but I hadn't yet embodied it. And so the mm-hmm. embodiment came from taking the knowledge that you manifest from abundance and from gratitude. And then you, you can acquire more from that state, but we can know that, but be living in lack. And so, yeah, that's like such a huge shift to like move over into actually living from that abundant place. Absolutely. And there's like, even when you're saying that there's like this constriction around it of like, but I want it now. And like, I want, you know, and that's again, yeah, not where it comes from. And if you got everything you wanted right now, it wouldn't even be satisfying because you wouldn't have put in the work to get it. It's not manifestation is not about just waving a wand and getting what you want. I mean, yes, that sounds lovely in, in theory, but in practicality, the sense of accomplishment and the sense of satisfaction that comes from a manifestation comes from doing the work to get it. Whether that be the work on your business, the work on yourself, like manifestation is a process of becoming. You have to be the person who is at the level to achieve that thing. And so that's what makes it so rewarding and so fulfilling and like juicy, right? It's because it comes from you elevating yourself to a particular point, to a state of, oh, the word was just in my brain, but it's like holding yourself to a certain standard, Mm -hmm. right? And that's where the, the fulfillment comes from. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes looking back, like, I'm glad that I had that period of time where I got to learn all of these lessons, you know, and I got to really, I got to a point where I hit a low and I had to surrender, you know? And so that was such an awakening for me into, huh, being surrendered actually feels pretty good, you know, because now I'm actually accepting what's happening instead of demanding that everything change right now. So, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like, we look back at our journeys and we're actually grateful for those times because they taught us so much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, like the lesson piece is really what's important because the lessons are what allow you to do the growth and it's, you're going to keep learning the lessons until, um, you integrate them until you embody them. And then from there, it's like each new standard it goes up and up and up, but without the lessons, you're not going to be going anywhere. So if you find yourself in this habit of like repeating patterns, I invite you to look at yourself, like look inward and be like, okay, what is the universe trying to teach me here? And the sooner that you can find that answer, right? Like when I lost my income, when my income started steadily going down, that was like a very like long six month journey of, okay, what happened here? And what I realized was that I was self-sabotaging. What I realized is that I had a fear of success of like, this isn't safe for me to have, because if I have this, I'm going to lose people. So I unconsciously just started backing off my business and in the backing off my business, I'm now at a point where I'm starting my business over. And like, that's okay because I learned the lesson and I learned that's not something I'm going to do again. It's safe for me to grow. And what I realized from that is that in my growth, 
people are not going to be able to handle a certain level of success, but I'm not here to manage other people's expectations. I am here to do what I am meant to do to serve the world in the way that I know I am meant to serve the world. And if people can't accept that, if people can't support me in that, then I trust that they're not meant to be on that part, particular part of my journey. Mm -hmm. And that's the lesson that came from that. And, um, it, it was a hard one to learn (laughs) to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's always hard in the thick of it until we look back and say, okay, that was good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And honestly, it's like, um, you know, the, the particular person I'm thinking of, like it was crabs in the bucket. It was almost like this was a repeating pattern that I just didn't see because they were such a longstanding friend. Mm -hmm. And in actuality, like what I realized is that person has so much work to do on themselves that, you know, that's not my responsibility. I actually offered tools and support for free and they didn't want to take it. And so that's at that point, all I can do, right. I'm like, I have some things that if you're open to it, but they weren't open to it. So, you know, that's the best that I can do. And they decided that, you know, my, my favorite, my favorite uh, saying you've changed. It's like, "Mm, yeah, no, you've just stayed the same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's, and that's some people's journey right? Yeah. And that's some people's journey. And it's really unfortunate because you love them and you want to see them grow, but your growth is sometimes going to outgrow at a rate that's, that's faster than another person. And so it's a bit of a hard truth, but, um, the sooner that you can accept it, the sooner you're going to be able to move on and, and be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about nervous system and you do some work with helping people regulate their nervous system. You do like some healing work around that. Um, And a lot of people people listening have no idea what that means. So maybe you can explain what that means, why we should care about taking care of our nervous system in this way. And what are some healing practices we can do around it? Mm, Love, love, love. Okay. So first of all, your nervous system is what's going to be keeping you, you know, I think the best way to describe it is like this fight or flight mode, right? We all have that when we have a perceived threat. Um, Now, most people think of a perceived threat as something to be really dangerous, like um, being stopped by a mugger, you know, like someone trying to mug you at knife point or, um, being in a dangerous car accident, right? We all go through varying levels of trauma in our life, but what a lot of people don't realize is that our nervous system is being programmed all the time. So when something comes up, that is a perceived danger, such as, um, not having enough money to pay your bills each month, your nervous system is still going into that fight or flight mode. And it's activating your hormones, your stress levels, um, you know, your adrenaline, and it has severe health consequences when you're current, when you're constantly running in fight or flight, because your adrenaline spiked, your cortisol is strike, uh, spiked. And a lot of people live this way just with regular stress in their life. And so your nervous system is there to support you and regulate you um, 
And most people, when they have a healthy nervous system, if an activation comes up, if something um, traumatic comes up for them, most of the time, they're able to bring themselves back down into a state of regulation, into a healthy um, zone where you're not depleting energy and resources from other parts of your body. So a lot of time physical ailments come up, right? We can see digestive issues, we can see sleep issues, we can see mental health issues, all because our nervous system is constantly activated and we're pulling from different parts of our body that is, you know, going to use like energy for digestion, right? Things like that. So um, some of the some of the ways that we can use tools, healing tools, healing modalities to regulate our nervous system is when we employ things like meditation, things like breath work. We do a lot of stuff that I'm doing right now um, with my one-to-one work is going through and doing inner child healing. You would be amazed at the breakthroughs my clients have just from one session of an inner child healing, which I do in my, my quantum healing sessions. Um, they meet a past version of themselves. And when they're feeling activated in this present moment, a lot of the time what they don't realize is that they are being activated from a point in the past, some part of their inner child that wasn't seen, that wasn't heard, that wasn't validated. And so that unhealed emotion, whatever it might be, anger, sadness, resentment, that gets trapped in the body if we're taught to not properly um, dispel the emotion. So a lot of times as kids, we're told, don't cry, right? Stiff upper upper lip. Um, You know, girls are meant to be seen and not heard or children are meant to be seen and not heard, right? All of those things. But if you are not able to um, properly expel your emotions, then those get trapped inside. And over time, the more and more that you do it, the more that this stress system, the stress reaction um, trauma response is going to build up. So that's, those are three of the things that I love to do with my clients is meditation, breath work, and inner child healing. Mm, Yeah. It's so interesting how this all works. And yeah, in our culture, we're just, everything is suppressed pretty much. Like we're just so conditioned to suppressing everything. Um, so the inner child, is that NLP work or is there anything more specific you can share around that? That is what I'm doing in my trauma. Um, I've, I've just gone through to become a trauma-informed uh, coach. So I learned that process through the, <coughs> oh, pardon me, through the trauma uh, certification that I was doing. Amazing. I love it. And you're starting to host retreats. Are you going to yeah. create some of these things at the retreats? What is of the course? So I am going to start doing retreats around like themes, I believe. So the very first one that I'm doing is release to receive. So yeah, (laughs) it's specifically geared towards entrepreneurs. So the idea is to um, heal at the somatic level, mind, body, soul, and then in order to create expansion to receive in their businesses. I love it. Oh, those are going to be such amazing experiences. Um, okay. I have my one last question that I ask every guest and it is, what is a favorite book for you or a good book you just read? If you, oh, okay. A good book that I just read. 
is um, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. I cannot, especially if you heard this stuff about the trauma, the nervous system, strongly recommend it. Um, she is actually the holistic psychologist on Instagram. So I did, she's got like 5.5 million followers. So I'm sure that you've probably heard of her. Um, but her book, I just ran a book club around it. It was so good. So many aha moments. It was probably one of the best books that I've read. Amazing. I'm, yeah. I've heard of the book. I need to add it to my list. It's Do so it. Good. You won't regret it. It's so good. <laughs> Amazing. Well, this has been so fun. Um, how can people find you, follow you, keep up to date with all the things you're offering? Yes. So I am on Instagram. That is like my favorite place to hang out. I am at quantum creatrix. Uh, over on IG. I also have a Facebook community where I do weekly card pulls. I run free challenges. Um, it's really like a community for support. If you're ever needing anything, uh, you can come into that community to find sisterhood. And that is the Quantum Creatrix Co on Facebook. But there's a link in my bio on Instagram and it's got all of the links to all of the things and all of the places. Okay, we'll be sure to link that then in the show notes. You guys can check that out there. Um, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for coming on here and just sharing the real real with us and being so down to earth and cool and fun. And um, I hope to see you again. Soon. Maybe I'll come down to San Juan del Sur at some point. Oh my God, I would love that. I would um, love that. But yes, thank you so much for being here, Kiki. Thank you for having me.